Hey there, welcome to the IFM podcast. Welcome to episode number 21. In this episode, I will talk about your ticket submission in week 7 and the materials discussed is dealing with forex exposure, specifically the transaction exposure. In my feedback for your ticket submission, there will be three segments. The first segment will talk about the types of forex exposure and some of the questions that you have with this. And the second segment will discuss the specific aspects of managing transaction exposure. And the last segment will discuss the practical issues that you raise in your ticket submission. So why don't we start with the first segment. So there exist three types of forex exposure when MNCs are dealing with an international business environment. Um, in our unit, we will be focusing on the management of transaction exposure. So transaction exposure focuses on contracted cash flows that is due in the near future, and these cash flows are denominated in foreign currency. And to make things a bit simpler in this unit, we only be focusing on accounts payable and receivables that are denominated in foreign currency. I just need you to be reminded that there exist other types of cash flows denominated in foreign currency that can also be contracted um, to happen in the near future. Um, so in principle, MNCs can also manage the forex exposure arising from these cash flows with the same principles as we do uh, with the account payables and receivables. Uh, the second type of forex exposure um, that exists but we don't really discuss is the economic exposure that focuses on the cash flows but uh, more in the long run. I mean, granted that the nature of long run can vary across industries, um, but in essence, it's actually something to do with the anticipation of the general trend of the uh, distant movements of exchange rate. Uh, so this will be the strategic planning in anticipation of exchange rate movements in the long horizon and how um, the competitors or your competitors would actually react to that forex movements. So this is a strategic movement taking into account two aspects. First, the forex movements and secondly, how the uh, business competitors would react towards that exchange rate movement. Um, so one of the examples in economic exposure would be relocation of your production facilities in anticipation of the forex rate movements, uh, both in the home country and the in the host country. So that will be one of the examples in this economic exposure. And the last forex exposure that we don't really discuss in this unit deals with the translation exposure and this is mainly uh, focusing on the loss of value uh, when the financial report of the subsidiary would have to be translated to the currency of the parent. And to minimize this loss in translation, um, then what the subsidiary can do is to borrow money and to invest in a way that the forex exposure for the liability would actually have of the same magnitude or in the asset side. Um, so there are different techniques that we will not be covering in this unit. But if you are, you know, if you are interested, I'm happy to have a chat with you. Uh, but there are techniques to minimize translation exposure. I mean, if you think about it, mainly for the, um, you know, the manager of the subsidiary not to lose, you know, some of the compensation, uh, mainly because of the forex rate movements. Well, if you think about it, the company valuation do, do not really change, uh, but uh, due to the forex rate uh, when. This, the financial report is translated, uh, some of the subsidiary value uh, just basically dissipates uh, from that process. 
So that's basically the general discussion of the Forex exposure. Uh, again, we will be focusing on transaction exposure and that will be one of the applications that MNCs can use um, in terms of the Forex derivatives and other contracts uh, that constitute the money market hedging. Okay, so uh, let's uh, go deeper and talk about the transaction exposure and the different techniques that we can um, use to manage the transaction exposure, uh, which will bring us to the second segment in now managing transaction exposure, uh, where we actually uh, learn three techniques to manage the transaction exposure uh, using financial contracts. The first one will be the forward contract, uh, money market hedge, and the options. Okay, so um, there are a couple of questions um, asking about the money market hedge, uh, whether the level of interest rate will be of concern. Um, well, I just need to remind you that the purpose of the money market hedge is to uh, minimize or to hedge the downward exposure of exchange rate movements. So this is not about really the interest rate differentials, but rather you are actually borrowing or investing uh, between home and the a foreign country basically to insulate um, the value of the payables or receivables um, in the local currency uh, so that by doing borrowing or investing either home or abroad, um, any changes in forex rate will not change uh, the translation of receivables or payables into the home currency. So the focus is to insulate forex rate movements rather than um, you know looking for profit whatsoever. So this is the downward protection. So I think some of you still have difficulties in implementing options. Uh, just one thing that you need to keep in mind, uh, one of the reasons why we need to include the, um, the premium of options, even though we don't exercise the option, is mainly because um, the premium of options would have to be paid up front. So that becomes a sunk cost. So even though you don't exercise your options, uh, that's been paid. So you just have to take that into account um, in exchanging the currency. Okay, um, so I just need you to be aware um, that even in the pre-class video, I don't really talk much about the alternative uh, method because I assume that you can do this in your own reading. Um, so in the absence of these financial contracts, um, companies can still manage the transaction exposure and they can do so using the alternative methods that is mentioned in the pre-class video as well as um, it exists in the chapter or the allocated reading. So I strongly suggest you to read this. Um, but the idea mainly is to use these techniques, um, well, if possible, to create a natural hedge whereby the uh, stream of obligation um, would actually have the uh, substitute or the equal um, proportion of the income um, so that the Forex exposure can be cancelled from both sides, the liabilities and income. So expenses and income to that extent. Okay, so a, a, an example would be if you, act, uh, as a Malaysian company, if you have income denominated in US dollars, um, then you probably want to do financing in US dollars as well, so that will represent the expense. Um, then your company is pretty much uh, insulated against the ringgit dollar uh, movements uh, because of that. Um, you know, cancelling cash flows requirements in your revenue as well as in the um, expenses for financing. Okay, so uh, I guess uh, just to reinforce the point that I said earlier, make sure you read the chapter and discuss or understand the alternative methods to manage transaction exposure. All right, so that will bring us to the last segment of this episode where we'll discuss the practical issues uh, in managing transaction exposure. 
So a uh, couple of things that I need to remind you. Firstly, uh, what are the things that we, we, I mean, we, we do not cover in this uh, unit? So uh, firstly is the, in terms of the notion of hedging or using fund, uh, forex derivatives, um, really the question that the company needs to ask is what is the motivation of this hedging? Is it really to protect the downward movements or they're also expecting some financial um, income from it? Uh, because if the latter would be the motives, then really um, the the protection is not the main focus, and you kind of have to make sure that you would fulfill that motives. So for now, we we actually assume that protection is the main motive, and then secondly, we always hedge the full amount, and that brings us the second aspect that we don't cover. So in real life, um, given that there's fifty fifty chance of forex rate will go up or go down. Uh, usually company may go halfway in, in hedging the forex exposure um, and that may be because of the cost of hedging all right so um, we don't actually talk about the halfway hedging so halfway uh, the variety of hedging ratio but i just need to remind you that you know you, you may vary the hedging ratio and that may be useful for your assignment Right. And lastly, it's about the cost of hedging. So we don't really talk much about it, uh, but hedging is actually with cost, um, especially if you take the wrong position uh, when taking forward hedge or a money market hedge. Uh, so if the exchange rate happens to move uh, in opposite of your expectation, then uh, yeah, the, the, the cost of hedging is actually there. Um, and if you take a look at our discussion in the pre-class video, really the the people, the group of people that will uh, pay the cost of hedging will be the shareholders. And this is mainly the the main um, idea of the debate um, in, in between the benefit of hedging and cost of hedging. So managers actually reap the benefit of hedging by experiencing less variability in cash flows and the less, uh, the, the less complexity in planning, but the shareholders kind of have to pay for it. Um, so um, yeah, uh, that's probably explained the cons in hedging by uh, by the shareholders. Okay, so a couple of uh, interesting questions like who actually um, decide the hedging, um, you know, decision at the firm level. Uh, I would imagine this is something along the line within the risk uh, management department or the treasury management to that effect. But ultimately, that will that um, hedging decision will fall under the uh, chief financial officer. Um, decision and that responsibility and one thing you need to be aware of that the hedging decisions requires resources so the company would have to allocate people as well as uh, resources um, to make sure that they can make the right hedging decision and to monitor the hedging position uh, basically to to make sure that everything uh, aligns with the purpose of the hedging so hedging is not cheap and it requires resources. And this is why uh, some of the companies decide they don't really want to hedge. Um, but be careful. Uh, those companies uh, that do not hedge, uh, that doesn't mean they don't know what they're doing uh, because probably the cost of uh, establishing this risk management department may outweigh uh, the benefit of hedging that downward exposure. And, you know, who knows? I mean, they probably already have a, a fully or natural hedge position um, and that may negate the need to hedge using financial contract or, you know, they may have, um, you know, some invoice practices that lead, lead, uh, implementing leading and lagging. Um, yeah, so just be careful if companies do not do any hedging decisions, they may, you know, manage the transaction exposures differently. 
Okay, and one of the other factors that uh, would lead company not to hedge is the forex expectation uh, that they have. Um, well, if they're pretty much uh, familiar with the exchange rate movement, so they pretty much know uh, what is uh, to come in terms of that forex exposure. Okay, um, so lastly, um, this couple of questions that I mean, two or three questions. Uh, well, risk will always exist when we do something. Um, so the idea here is not to eliminate risk, but rather to manage risk um, so that we actually can still gain. Remember, if you eliminate risk, then you can't get any reward. But if you manage your risk properly, then you would be compensated to the extent that you can take the risk in your investment or in your decision. Right, I think I'm... Um, pretty much overdue here. I'm running over time, but um, there's one important question that I need to uh, address in terms of overhedging. So overhedging is one of the risks um, that the business risk of making hedging decision up front. So if you actually um, you know order a, a bit of amount of uh, goods from overseas suppliers, and if the suppliers can't fulfill um, the amount to be delivered, then you probably will fall into overhead position, and this can cost money. Um, so what to do if you are overhatched? Then you probably will look if you can actually inverse the position, if you can close out your forward position if you're using forward contract. Um, in the case of money market hedge, they just probably ask whether the finance institutions allow for earlier settlement or uh, change in the in the contracted amount. Um, you know, you try to minimize your costs, obviously, and that may not possible. That may be possible uh, due to the negotiation aspect. All right. So I hope that this podcast is useful and I think some of the hints would be, um, you know, would be usable for your assignment, I hope. All right. So take care. I'll see you around. Bye bye.